Welcome to Etchimon with Willis and Alex. Episode of Etchimon. My name's Willis. Hi, oh, Willis. I was um, Alex, I'm just sorry. My bad. That's okay. I was supposed um, to introduce you, wasn't I? Thanks, Hi, for Alex. Welcome. We're so excited to be after that very smooth start to be going into a new phrase and to be looking at it. Alex, what is our phrase for today? Fight the good fight, as it says in the title. Amazing. It's a good one, I think. Keep elaborating. Why is it good? Why do you oh, think it's, it's good? Given that you energetic, it. encouraging. Well, I think I think we need we need more of that in our lives, regardless of whether you're Christian or religious or not. More competitiveness, um, more more conflict. I didn't I didn't get the word competitive or conflict either. Interestingly, interesting. We have very different connotations. I got the, the sense fight. of I got the sense of a struggle for something good. So maybe gotcha. I think this mm. phrase. It's not super common. I guess we're at the stage where most of our phrases aren't super common, but it's used in the context of wanting to do the right thing, even when there's opposition, I think. So I don't know, maybe what comes to mind is maybe a lawyer, just to use that example, who is uh, maybe they're, they're doing pro bono work or something simply because they believe in justice and they believe in the cause, uh, even though it will cost a lot of time and money, but they're wanting to do the right thing. That probably applies to a lot of a lot of little things in life. People fighting the good fight despite uh, opposition, real or perceived. That's a really helpful. So not very violent. Yes, it's more of a, oh, dare I say it, a spiritual struggle? Maybe I don't know. Speaking as a Christian, certainly feels spiritual. If you know me well, I also have a really sensitive conscience, so I do get maybe have a sense of wanting to do the right thing so i guess it, it speaks to me personally there but um i think even if you are a devout atheist if i could put it that way i'd still think almost all of us believe in some sort of absolute morality surely morals aren't relative and there are things therefore that are worth doing and that are right no matter what even if everyone else seems to think it's not and in those situations, we have to make a choice about whether we are going to do what we think is right or we're mm. just going to go with the flow. What will we fight for wrong. in those That's situations? A good, yeah, that is a, a good perspective. What will we, what is worth fighting for, right? Because a lot of times if we see something that is wrong in society, you know, the bystander effect, it's very easy for us to just ignore it or it's not our problem. Yeah, so that is a another moral dimension as well. <laughs> That's a helpful start as we consider what this phrase is today. Let's take us back a bit, Alex, now to where the phrase was most likely first created and used. Tell us a bit more about the past and its origins. It comes, it actually shows up at least twice and even three times, depending on which English translation of the Bible you use, fight the good fight. So it shows up in a couple of letters in the New Testament. New Testament is a part of the Bible that's written after Jesus' time. And a lot of the New Testament, unfortunately, I've been a Christian for too long, so I don't really know what. And yeah, don't, I don't usually ask my non-Christian friends these random questions. 
But um, I, yeah, if you imagine the New Testament is like Jesus's teachings or whatever, actually Jesus didn't write anything in the New Testament that we have today. Yeah, so all of the New Testament is not written by Jesus. A lot of it is written by a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul or Saint Paul, who was a very active Christian leader and missionary in the decades following Jesus' death. And a lot of the New Testament is made up of letters that he wrote to the early Christian churches around the Mediterranean world. Um, and he also wrote a few letters. Actually, it's a bit de debated as to whether he wrote them, but it certainly has his name on them, uh, that he wrote to a couple of younger men named Timothy and Titus. And mm -hmm. these are kind of sent like personal letters. So he wrote to them with instructions about what to do, but also intending for the whole church to hear. It's kind of like when you CC someone <laughs> in an email. So maybe that's just me with my no, admin a good, background. That's, that's a good um, illustration. Paul's writing directly to his, would you call him, oh, I think he addresses Timothy as his son, right? And to Titus. Yeah, so not similarly. biological, but protege but, or apprentice or... Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Assistant, I don't know. Something like that. Hmm. So uh, Titus so... and Titus and Timothy are church leaders in their own regard as well. Hmm. But Paul is sort of a spiritual father to them. But as he writes a letter, he's also seeing so. the rest of the church, the local church yes. that Timothy yes. and Titus are part of. If you don't like emails, maybe another example is maybe maybe a politician or a public figure is giving a speech at a particular conference or something but it's being broadcast to everyone else. Mm. Um, so there's a local audience, but a wider yes. one as well, or direct audience. That, that, that sort of thing. Before, before and, you go yeah, on so, to fight the, good fight, fight the good fight as well, another question that has came to my mind that other listeners might have as you, as you were explaining the New Testament is, do Christians consider it to be less reliable of a source if it's only written by Paul and not Jesus? I don't think so, but I could see how someone might assume that, well, why would you believe in Jesus if, like, oh, is the New Testament a reliable teaching of what Jesus taught if it wasn't even written by Jesus himself? Is that what That's you're right. saying? That's the question. Okay. No, I'd say it respond? is. I'd say, why did you ask that question? <laughs> Because I feel like that's not a question that most people usually ask me. It's not doesn't just happen when I catch up for people, like with people for coffee or whatever. I ask this question because I like... predict my listeners might have our listeners might have okay. that question, but um, it could be a very wrong prediction as well. No, I think it's very. I mean, in our society, we take a lot of things. Going back to politicians, a lot of their speeches may not have been personally penned out by themselves, right? They they probably didn't spend hours thinking of the best thing to write to deliver their speech or their address to parliament the next day or at this press conference, right? There are speech writers and, and people behind the scenes that, uh, and, and doesn't mean that what, that the words that they're saying are incorrect, right? So, sorry, that may not be a very bad example, but in a way, even though Jesus himself didn't physically write any of the words of the New Testament, they have a, a stamp of approval or a signature from him um, and there are several reasons. I mean, for one, these are all Jesus's apostles who he, you know, directly commissioned, um, or, or their close associates. If you were part, if you were one of the very first Christians, you would have been very careful to make sure that you were getting good teaching 
and not just you know some random hypocritical religious leader trying to infiltrate um, and exploit your religious community as unfortunately we are all too familiar with in our media today so you would have been very careful about the sorts of letters you were receiving so i think yeah rest assured everything that we have in our new testament is considered a reasonable and accurate uh, representation of what jesus taught i don't see how it could have been otherwise although yeah i'm sure you could come up with conspiracy theories like mm. Dan Brown or whatever. Our world is pretty um, good at coming up with conspiracy theories. I hope that's not a controversial but, statement. Um, yes. Um, I'm sure if someone asked me that question in person, <laughs> I would be able to address that answer. Uh, that's helpful. Yeah, it was more... a very broad question. And I think you've given a good overview of um, why, at least at a very high level, there's still a strong amount of reliability to these texts, despite them not being written mm. by the first person. So helpful, very helpful. And... and I'll, and, unless you want to talk further about it, I'd be keen to bring you back to fight the good fight and where they appear. All right, let's go back to uh, a couple letters attributed to Paul to Timothy. And mm. you can just kind of imagine this this older man, maybe maybe like a father figure, really, uh, writing down some instructions. And the phrase fight the good fight appears in these two letters. If you have a Bible, they're called 1 Timothy or, or, or 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy or, or 2 Timothy. And they're pretty short and yeah, assumed to be written towards the end of his life. So they're, they're very, it's kind of like a last testament or like some, some final instructions, it seems. Mm -hmm. I really, I like that vibe. I don't know why, Willis and friends, listeners, but as many of you would know, I did a history degree and I'm, I like reading about the last Dying moments man. of someone's life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe or at least or maybe it was just one particular i get example, that but i get I really... that it's somehow you see clearer in your last moments i think we all get a sense that people perhaps the biggest parts of a person are made known almost clearer in their final moments mm. perhaps that's a general there's a lot of there's sure. a lot of gravitas in that yeah. time i think i've heard a a rough quote to the um, along the lines of if you know when you're going to die then that's when you truly live or that sort of thing hmm. um, that's what i'm hinting at so yeah so i think that's hinted at in the second letter to timothy mm. that and Paul i get writes, I, I get that attraction that yeah. you find in them for that reason mm -hmm. so. i might just quickly read out yeah one of idea. the references to where it says to fight the good probably fight. the so best thing we the do end. this podcast <laughs> okay picture old or in prison, quite possible that he could die soon. And he says towards the end of his letter to Timothy, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith and so on. I finished the race. I think other translations put it. I like that. So it's another sporting analogy. Mm. Um, I think the fight is a sporting analogy as well. So the boxing sort of idea, which is pretty, pretty brutal and violent at the time, I understand. But that's that's kind of one of the references. That's a really good explanation I don't know what, of the phrase. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what you think of that because most of us, I don't think, intuitively think of life as a fight. We hear that life is maybe a journey or it's a, it's a most, box of chocolates. That's right. I think particularly life <laughs> as a know. journey is is the one I hear most commonly today, just, just in the world generally. So I'm with you that the fight language is a bit more intense. 
and perhaps a bit less used by us, but you still hear it around. And I guess my first reflection, Alex, is that the reference to fight the good fight in the Bible is directly and narrowly related to the context of fighting the good fight in relation to the Christian faith. We, in our world today, and it makes sense given that it's just become part of the culture of the world and not specific to Christianity specifically, the world will use it in a much broader sense where, you know, we can talk about quite quite often if it's someone's, let's say it's someone's dream to become a pilot. And if, it, if there are many struggles along that process, which I hear there is to become a pilot, a pilot someone could describe their struggle as, as a fight and, and fighting the good fight to become a pilot. I don't think that's what the Bible uh, and, and how Paul is choosing to use this phrase, however. It's very much limited to fighting the, the good fight of the faith. And maybe that just that maybe that just leads to the other question of what is the the faith and what and what what do we mean by fighting? Like the faith is obviously Christianity, but what what does it mean to fight for Christianity in that context? Well, I guess the context. So imagine Timothy was in Ephesus, a very cosmopolitan, I think, and wealthy city, probably like many of us, um, if you're listening in in the Western world today. Different ideas going on. And a lot of things in the metaphorical marketplace, lots of different ideas. And Paul knows that a lot of those things are not good. A lot of those ideas out there, and I think we can all agree on this, regardless of what religion or lack of religion you're from, there are a lot of things out there, a lot of ideas and ideologies that are dangerous, counterproductive, and harmful. And Paul knows that. And I think a lot of the context where he's saying is that, Timothy, you have to stay firm and stay strong to what is right. And I think one of the really good gospel summaries, especially because these are relatively personal letters, I'll read from the start of 1 Timothy as well, maybe just just a couple of verses. So Hmm. Paul is an interesting guy, very famous story, converted on the Damascus Road, which is another phrase that we sometimes use in English that we may touch on another time. In, in the letter, Paul says, um, and it's very personal, right? I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a pure persecutor and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. So I'll stop there. But I think that's like a summary, right? Mm. The mm. idea is that Christ Jesus, so his, his God, fully God, fully man, came into our world and was physically, literally on earth to save sinners, people like you and me. That's pretty much a, a summary of the message that, Tim, uh, that Timothy is meant to teach. And there are so many ways you could dispute that. There are lots it's of such an offensive claim, statement, right? It's such an offensive statement. You can, you can, you can start. Maybe you can do the offensive. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll list a few of the offensive ones. The statement is: Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. First of all, it's saying that all of humanity are sinful and are sinners. And that's one offensive remark in itself. And 
Uh, that's one of the biggest ones in our world as, as to why Christianity is so unpalatable. And particularly in our Western culture, we tend to all think of ourselves as good and decent people. Secondly, even if we grant that we are sinners, the claim is, is that someone has come to save us with the implication, therefore, that we weren't able to save ourselves, which is another massively controversial statement. Most of the other religions in our world will focus very highly upon that while they may regard humans as, as being broken and in need of saving, they very much put that saving emphasis upon the person themselves, that you need to climb out of the hole that you dug yourself into and that job relies on you. The Christian, however, will respond that that, that, that that is an impossible task and that only Jesus saves. So that's another, those are two ways that I see instantly in which the saying is offensive. Can you think of any more, Alex? Maybe less for our context, but maybe more in, in that day, is mm. that the fact that God can be human mm. <laughs> or, or the saviour, yeah, came into the, yeah, that's weird. That's at least weird, <laughs> even to us today. Yes. Mm. Christianity has very counterintuitive theology. Yes. So don't dismiss it as, oh, it doesn't make sense that God died or whatever. But if you look into it, it is strangely beautiful and fascinating. And absolutely and, makes sense if we aren't able to save ourselves. And if no human is able to save themselves, then we need someone yes, who's only not God, human to Only save God us. can save us, right? That's very much the heart of the context of what Paul originally meant in Fight mm -hmm. the Good Fight. So, and because of its offense, yeah, we see why it's a fight as well, is, is, what, is what I'd like to add. Because um, other forces in the world keep pushing against what's right, right? That's right. And therefore, you have inherent conflict. I think I, I want to end or put, put forward the encouragement that we all have struggles and fights in life, but the way to make it count and to make it meaningful is make sure you're fighting for what's right that you're fighting the good fight. I need to say that to myself as well. Don't die on every hill, but don't not die on any hill either. I think it, it's just a core for, regardless of where you're at in terms of what you think about Christianity, if you're a Christian or not, uh, is to examine yourself. What are you living for? Why is it worth living for? Because life, it's worth something. I absolutely mm. believe that we're here with a purpose and meaning and that there are absolute morals and objective morality in this world. I think a really good explanation of why those two things, which I believe to be in, kind of intuitively true, is that God is there. And so in light of all that, I think I would say, dear listener, make sure you're fighting the good fight. Emphasis on the word good and what that means. Maybe you can explicate that more, Willis. <laughs> I think I'll choose not to. That, that's a really good place to end. Thanks heaps, Alex, for helping us understand this phrase a bit more. And once again, to our listeners, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact us, Facebook page or, or our Spotify page anytime. And we look forward to seeing you in our next episode. This is Willis and Alex checking out for today. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks.